1: And welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you until noon when Meet the Press takes over. And as always with shows here on WBEN, if you missed any of it, you can find our interviews on the Odyssey app at WBEN.com or wherever it is that you download your podcast. All you have to do is search the show that you like here on WBEN, David Bellavia, A New Morning, Beam As and Beamer, Bowerly, Hardline, any show here on WBEN. And if you subscribe to it, guess what? They download it right to your phone. Very nice. So make sure you check that out, again, wherever you like podcasts and like to plan out your podcast. We are waiting uh, to hear from Aaron Katursky, who is over in Ukraine. And, you know, I, I, this is one of those things where you're watching, you keep the news on, right? I mean, it's really 24-7 coverage from over there. The, the video, I mean, with with all the advancements in technology, you're getting iPhone videos, you're getting stuff live on TV, really 24-7. And joining us from Ukraine is Aaron Katursky, ABC News. Aaron, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Aaron. What is the current situation? It, it's one of those things that keeps to always uh, developing. What is the situation this morning?
2: Well, th- th- there's been some rather worrying reports from different parts of of Ukraine. They're, they were they were going to try again to get some civilians out of Mariupol, this besieged port city that has um, been cut off effectively from from food and water and electricity and phone service. Uh, the, the International Committee of the Red Cross tried to arrange some buses to get people out, and we're not sure that that ceasefire that had been arranged was honored for a second day in a row. And then in a city just on the outskirts of Kiev, the capital, uh, there was some Russian shelling of civilians trying to uh, to leave there. So it's been uh, very worrying if civilians are increasingly coming under fire. And, and you know, we keep hearing that not only are they, but they will, in uh, in the future, as as the Russians just intensify their invasion.
1: You know, it's been confusing because yesterday we hear of this uh, this agreement or or word of a ceasefire, um, and then we also hear of of you know civilians getting shot at. Uh, is it just as confusing over there when talking of the ceasefire?
2: Oh, sure. I mean, because you don't know. Uh, at any moment, whether it's, it's, it's real or not. And, you know, officially the Russians blamed the Ukrainians. They said they were sabotaging the ceasefire so they could use civilians as human shield. That's what president Putin said. And there was really no evidence of that. Uh, It seems as if the Russians just kept shelling. So either their command and control isn't good. And and the the soldiers on the ground just didn't get word that they were supposed to stop shooting or uh, the Russians were being disingenuous and, and either isn't, Particularly good,
1: Aaron. You know, I see the pictures on on your uh, Twitter of people waiting. You know, hiding, waiting to get out. How many people have fled the country, and um, how many people are still in places like under bridges in train stations?
2: Yeah. Um, so officially, the the UN has counted more than one point five million people have uh, have crossed. An international border. Uh, most of them have gone to Poland, but they've also gone to Slovakia and Romania and Moldova. Uh, and then we think there are tens of thousands on the move on any given day uh, beyond that. And you know, here in Lviv, the main railway station, there's about forty thousand people that pass through a day on trains from more restive parts of the country and then try to get you know further west to Poland or or even stay here. And, you know, Josh, I just came from a, a university that has turned itself into a shelter. Uh, and I was just, my, my, my jaw was on the floor. They're, they're, they've got three gymnasiums filled with mattresses on the floor where people are sleeping right up against one another. There's probably 1,500 people in there. Everything has been donated from food to clothing to medicine. Um, but, but this is home now for people who, you know, don't really have anywhere else to go.
1: And speaking with, with those that in Ukraine, those that, you know, again, some are fleeing, some are staying to fight, uh, What you know, a week, 10 days ago, you have people in Ukraine that didn't think this was ever going to happen, didn't think this was possible. Um, what is their reaction, and what are they asking from the rest of the world?
2: Well, who can think that, you know, this was going to be your life? You know, it is unimaginable because you don't want to imagine it. Um, but now people who... A week ago, were were dentists or, or designers or whatever. Um, they're all now part of a kind of civil defense force that's built up around here. And, uh, you know, and I've seen people making nets for the military, taking up arms, learning to make Molotov cocktails. The government's even instructed people where to throw them so they're most effective. They're really seeding an insurgency in order to counteract the Russian invasion. And that may be the best shot they have because the military... Is ultimately going to be outmatched. They've they've slowed the Russian advance. They've done better than most military analysts thought they could do, but it's only a matter of time. Uh, the, the Ukrainians have been begging for a no-fly zone, but that's um, not practical for a couple of reasons. One, you know, they're they're fire, they fired more than 500 missiles at, at Ukrainian targets so far. And aircraft aren't going to stop missiles. The other part is that enforcing a no-fly zone would bring um, say American fighter jets into direct contact with with Russian fighter jets or uh, or air defenses or something, and and that's you know the equivalent of World War Three, and, and and it's kind of a non-starter.
1: Speaking of uh, the the Russian attacks uh, near that nuclear site earlier this week, any updates from that? Is that calmed down now? Is that in Russian control? What's going on at that nuclear site?
2: Yeah, we we think it is under Russian control now, but uh, the Ukrainian workers have been allowed to keep to keep it functioning. And it was really, really frightening to to see the the firefight that erupted just 1,500 feet from from the six reactors on the site in Zaporizhia. Uh, The reactors, thankfully, were unaffected. They got the fire out uh, and there was no radiation leak, we're told. But but uh, we heard this awful message that was blaring from the loudspeakers on the 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 nuclear plant's campus saying stop firing this is a nuclear plant you'll endanger the whole world uh, and and it was only by the grace of god we heard the U.N. Ambassadors, uh linda thomas greenfield say that the the world averted another nuclear catastrophe um but there is fear that you know there are four other working reactors in the country and the fear is that the russians will have no problem uh, trying to take them uh, and and risk another accident.
1: And the Russians have also gone to the site of Chernobyl as well, correct? They did. They came down. Uh, normally
2: you go around it to get to Kiev, but when you come down from Belarus. But they kind of went through, and it looks as if they they were, I don't know if they're still in control, but at least for a time, they were in control of the space around Chernobyl. We're not sure why. it's It's defunct but they could sure cause one heck of an environmental disaster. Uh, nuclear power plants were not designed to be caught in the battlefield. And, and it's really, really worrying if, uh, if there's a willingness to, 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 to shell or fire nearby.
1: Aaron, there's also the, I believe it's 40-mile-long Russian convoy that didn't move for a, a period of time. Is that still in a standstill? It hasn't
2: gone anywhere, but we're not sure it really it covered forty miles, but it was it was far apart in places, and we're we're not sure. It's about seventeen miles from Kiev, and it's filled with with stuff, you know, troops and tanks and artillery pieces. But we don't know really what it's doing. Whether it's just going to sit there and menace Kiev forever, or whether it's resupplying, whether it's ultimately going to be part of some kind of an offensive for the capital. So far. We've seen um, the, the Russians attack from a number of positions. They've, they've come. They've, they've, if they haven't taken, they've certainly encircled uh, Kharkiv to uh, to the east of Kyiv. Kiev, so troops could come in from there. They've also bombarded um, southern communities along the coast uh, and tried to cut off Ukraine's access to the Black Sea, so they could come up from the south. There's a, a restive um, pro Russia enclave in Moldova. Where apparently missiles were fired today on a on an airport west of of Kiev um, and sort of in between Kiev and, and Lviv, where I am, um, so they have a number of different attack options, and we just are waiting to see which ones they ultimately use to take the city.
1: Aaron, as you mentioned, you're there. What are things that you have seen? What are have you been been in close call? You know, what what maneuvers have you taken? And what would you compare this to uh, personally, uh, situations that you've been in?
2: Why? You know, I I, I don't know that it's it's comparable. It's a different kind of fight than either, you know, um, Iraq or Afghanistan so far. Um, But the 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 seeds of an insurgency, as I was saying, are evident. And, and so we may ultimately see that type of guerrilla fighting um, if, it, if it comes to that, uh, which would certainly not only prolong the campaign here, but it would probably make it more deadly and bloody, which is not a prospect anyone really wants to think about. But the, the Ukrainians are not going to go down. They've been mobilized. They've been inspired, I think, by President Zelensky and his daily messages uh, trying to rally the country in, in defense of itself. Um, the, they've certainly made some gains against the, the more hulking Russian army, you know. But, but um, eventually, the, the numbers just don't favor the, the Ukrainian side.
1: Aaron Kotersky, ABC News, over in Ukraine. Aaron, thank you so much, and we look forward to your updates throughout the week. Thank you very much.